Hello and welcome to the Healthy Entrepreneur Club podcast, where we're going to try something very new. We're going to go for a Friday edition and we're going to bring in a co-host every Friday. Uh, and we go for Mike Jones, who's the co-founder of Better Happy. And now Mike has been on the podcast before. If you've listened to his episode, it's one of the best uh, received episodes. Um, and we are both on a mission to talk about wellness and get well-being out there for managers, for business owners uh, and for employees to try and improve their overall uh, well-being and health and reduce burnout in businesses across the world. So, Mike, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good, mate. Yeah, very good, thank you. We're going to keep this nice and light-hearted, aren't we? It's going to be a Friday edition. So today, we wanted to jump in and talk about is well-being a mainstream message that successful entrepreneurs talk about as something you should do once you become successful, or is it something we should do from the start. Ooh, juicy. Go. Juicy. How, how, how many people can be upset with this topic? Well, exactly. Exactly. Because I, you know, I genuinely, you do hear a lot of people who, once they get successful, you know, Bill Gates actually is a great example. He did the emotional interview in the last couple of weeks saying, you know, he wished he had paid attention to his well-being and wellness and his own life, I guess, in his early 20s into his 30s when he, when he was making that much money. But then all the arguments against that are saying, well, would he have made that money if he would have put so much effort and focus on his health? Yeah, it's, I think for anybody that's starting a business or early in business, or to be honest, anyone that's anywhere in entrepreneurialism that maybe aren't at the stage that Bill, Bill Gates is at now where you've got, you know, you, You've done. You've achieved what you set out to achieve. You've got enough money to never have to think about money for the rest of your life. You kind of set. I think before you're at that stage, it's an important thing to think about. But obviously, the stage that you're at changes how you might perceive that message. So we're going to look at Bill Gates and go. Of course, he's going to say that now. He's he's older, and that's what he can look back and say. And um, I think for new business owners, especially. This is such an important topic because what do we listen to? Do, do we do what most people tell us to, which is hustle and worry about that stuff when we're older? Or do we listen to the wisdom that, you know, the light that Bill Gates are trying to impart down to us at a later stage? What do you mm. think? I mean, well, I, I really like the term that we've been talking about recently, which is healthy hustle. So I'm an advocate that. When you're starting a business, when you're in those startup days, it is really hard. Like you've got to put so much effort into it. Um, but there's a way to, to do it healthily. And what I don't talk about really is work-life balance because I think that, that's a very different thing. That's literally balancing your work versus your, um, you know, your health and your well-being. And I think in a business, it's quite different when you're starting a business because it's not, there's not a differentiating factor between your work day and then you can you can stop at five, and you can go off and do your well-being activities. It's got to be ingrained in you as a healthy hustle. It's the way that you live. It's a lifestyle rather than perhaps an employee. You know, when I was employed, I would be able to do you know some things for myself in the morning, go to work, and then in the evening I'd go to, to the gym and do do my CrossFit, and that was like the work-life balance for me. But with a business, it's very much ingrained in how I operate day to day. It is literally a lifestyle. And I think that's the same for you, right? You're like one of the healthiest guys that I know. And you manage to balance it really nicely. But I wouldn't say it's work-life balance for you. Would you agree or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't like the term work-life balance. I don't think, I don't think it's helpful. 
I think work-life balance is a is a confusing message, especially for business owners. So if you're an entrepreneurially minded person or a senior leader or, you know, or, or, or a grafter, part of your nature is going to be you don't mind working harder than, than, than your average Joe because there's, there's an average kind of level of work that people are willing to accept and that's why most people go into jobs because it's like, we'll pay you this much to work this many hours and, and you can have lovely work-life balance whereas most people they're entrepreneurial they don't think like that they're like no i'm driven by making this thing a reality and i'll work as much as i need to to um to make that happen and, and probably the same work-life balance stresses them because they think well that's just less time for me to pursue these things that i'm really excited about so i don't think work-life balance is the key i think it is an important topic but like go and tell elon musk that he needs better work-life balance you know what i mean like he's probably the most um obvious example of or anti-example of uh work-life balance that guy works all day every day he used to be famous for sleeping on the floor in the offices when he was building tesla so you know but he doesn't seem to me to be a person that's at risk of burnout i know he's not a picture of health but he certainly doesn't seem stressed and overwhelmed when you when he's on camera so that's an interesting topic, isn't it? If, 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 it, if it's all about this perfect work-life balance, then there'd be no, um, there'd be none of these entrepreneurs that do work create crazy hours, or they wouldn't have been able to achieve what they achieve because they because they hit burnout, but they don't. So, I don't think work-life balance is the answer or the key. I think what we need to think about is how we're approaching our work, and for entrepreneurs especially, or no entrepreneurs, your tendency is going to be to work too much. And that's because you like what you're doing. So you're going to have to be conscious of that and you're going to have to think about how you handle that. But I think saying to yourself, right, I'm going to work Monday, Friday, nine till five, and this is my perfect work-life balance um, plan mm -hmm. isn't going to work very well for you. The truth is, like you said, if you want to get a business up and off the ground, you are going to have to graph more than what most people are used to accepting. But I agree. And what makes you happy is moving towards those objectives not perfect work-life balance yeah exactly literally yeah, literally i wrote an email out to our members this morning talking about um you know putting a, putting a price or defining your goals right what does success look like to you because you know you listen to like stephen bartlett for example I was, I was listening to him earlier. I was going to say speaking. I certainly wasn't speaking to him. I was listening to him earlier. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about, there was a study where they asked, they asked lots of different demographics what success looks like to them in terms of the amount of money they've got as a multiple. So you know, how many times the money you make now would you need to become happy? And every, almost every single one, the average was three. So somebody makes 20, 30 grand a year, they wanted 90 grand a year. Somebody makes 300 grand a year, wanted 900 grand a year and so on and so on. Even the billionaires wanted three times as much. And I just thought that was really interesting because until you put a figure on where your success is, if you're constantly chasing happiness, you're chasing you know, success that's undefined, how, what, what is the journey that you're on? What's the, what are you working towards? What is that ladder? It can't be an endless ladder. And then you think about people like Alex Hormozzi going back to sort of you know, the wellness side of it. And he, he does what Elon Musk does. He just works. He says he has no hobbies. And he just works and works and works. And then when he feels like he's going to burn out, he watches Netflix for eight hours, sleeps for a day, and then goes back to it. And it's like, well, yes, he's been massively successful. He openly admits that he had a lot of luck in the early days when he learned about Facebook ads before anyone else did. But if you asked him now, 
would you put your health and well-being higher on your agenda? I wonder what he would say. He clearly does because he, he does, he gyms five, six times a week for two hours a time. So it's difficult to say you don't put your health first when you do that kind of thing. It's sort of a juxtaposition, isn't it? Yeah, and I think for him, like, health is one of his hobbies, whether he knows it as that or not. I mean, the guy's just off the chart with systems and systematic way of doing things. So I think for him, um, you know, he says he hasn't got any hobbies. But I think, well, this is an interesting concept. So I think for him, his hobby is business. I think he loves what he does. And this is what's an, an important concept to understand. But also a, a, devil, a, a, a bit of a devil in disguise. Or, um, because if you love what you do, it doesn't really matter how much you work, does it? But what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs is, or new entrepreneurs is, and I know this because I did it myself, is we tell ourselves that we love our businesses, which we do, and then we work all the hours that God sends. But if we're really honest with ourselves, the reason that we're working all the hours that God sends is because we're lacking in self-confidence and self-belief and self-worth. So we believe I have to work all this time to be worthy of success. I have to work more and more hours to validate my existence, to earn money, to be worthy of the money that the business can potentially bring in. And that's a problem. So I don't, I know Alex Ramosi is very open about having his own self doubts and, and all these other issues, but I think Alex Ramosi works as hard as he does because he enjoys it. He's, and, he, and he gets results and he knows, and he's always improving. Like the guy's not stuck in, in oscillation. Like that guy is always leveling up his game. Whereas if we're working hard all the time, silly hours, sacrificing our life, not spending time with our families, and that hard work is underpinned by this current, this kind of undercurrent of stress and self-doubt, that's when there's an issue. And this is where I think the, the, the distinguishing line is around this work-life balance stuff. So if we think about like Dan Priestley, a guy that you and I both have, both have mentorship of, Dan talks about, you know, you you can't have work-life balance when you start. You've got to hustle, you've got to work yourself into the ground and then worry about work-life balance later on in life. But also, if you read through Dan's history, Dan had very good mentorship earlier on and Dan's gone from success to success. So he's been constantly growing. So, it's, you know, if, if you're getting these amazing results and, and, and growing, that's going to keep you in the game. Now, Dan did have a phase where he, where he struggled after um, the 2008 financial crisis. And I know after that, he kind of like disappeared for a bit when... In, lived somewhere in the UK and just kind of like had a down phase. But then he bounced back because he has this proven history behind him of getting results and growing. I think when you start your first business, if you've got issues around sales and marketing and confidence with money, there's a very real risk and a very real danger that you work loads, but you don't actually progress because you're not getting over the key issues. And people will say, well, you need more work-life balance. But actually the reason that you're stressed and burning out isn't because you're working so much. It's the underlying current of issues, which are you're not confident. You're not confident enough to charge what you're worth. You're not confident enough to deal with issues with your customers. Um, you're not confident enough to go out there and market yourself. That's what leads to burnout, I think. Not just work. Yeah, exactly. And there's, I, I can't remember the exact theory, but it's something like something, is it Axel's razor? There's a razor theory where it's like the most obvious issue is quite often the problem, right? So. It makes complete sense to what you're saying there. If you're saying that, you know, a lot of startups or 95% of startups fail and a lot of them are working into a point where they're just working, they're being busy for the sake of being busy. Yep. Well, actually, there's no point in having a work-life balance coach or, or trying to think about that kind of thing. Because like you said, if you, if you can point at the most obvious thing, which is you're struggling to make sales, that's the thing you should get mentorship in. You should yep. learn that. And, but I think a part of this 
whole well-being, at least for me, a hub of well-being and you know health, is is education. I don't think it, I don't think it, for me it means just your body and your and your, you know, your physical health. For me, it's a lot about your mind, and that means socialising. That means um, constantly learning and doing things that I think are are fun. They are fun things, and it's not just about. I need to go to the gym. That doesn't, for me, mean well-being. And actually, a lot of people don't even like that. You know, you hear people say you should be doing this many steps. You should be doing, you know, ABC, whatever it is. I, you know, for me, I've always tracked what I've done. So I don't necessarily track what I eat, but I know I eat healthily because I have tracked in the past, like occasionally. But I like to track like stuff that's going on. So I'll track my business KPIs or our finance KPIs against how I'm feeling, and then I'll try and look at well, what made me feel like that. Did I eat something that was you know, made me sluggish in the afternoon, or did I do a massive walk on a, on a Sunday, which then meant I was less productive on Monday, Tuesday? Because for me, it helps with resilience. Like I, can, I can look back and go, that's what works for me. And you're sort of building that blueprint for, for yourself, because everyone is so different, right? Yeah, you make me think of um, Jim Rohn. Um, what's his audio book? I've, I've told you about it before. Uh, mm. uh, the, it's I on my audible wish list. We'll put it in the comments, yeah, but it's an audiobook only from Jim Rohn, and one of the things that he talks about in there is, like, habits, basically. So you just talked there about, like, linking, like, if I go on a walk on a Sunday, then I'm more energised on a Monday, and I get more done in the business, and linking those two things, and that's a, that's a clever thing to do, because he talks about how, you know, there's all this advice around there, around how to kind of perform at a high level and get results, whether that's in business or in your personal life, but... We often don't follow it and then don't see the knock-on effects of that. So he talks about an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And he's like, well, what if that's true? <laughs> so what if that advice is actually yeah, true? And he said, I eat an apple every day and my kids eat an apple every day and we very rarely go to the doctors. So yeah, I love that. health efforts to, to your business, I think is important. And being aware of the fact that you might neglect your health in pursuit of the business because most people that are entrepreneurial are obsessive about what they want to achieve and they will because that's what's the most important thing to them achieving this thing they will sacrifice everything else and you've got to be really cautious of that yeah totally I, that's, that's literally what, how I like to do it because the same way as you said there some things are positive some things are negative so my example is actually doing a walk that's too long and exhausting you and you do less on a Monday Tuesday and that is that happens to a lot of people especially if you haven't got that base level of fitness and that's not necessarily saying you shouldn't walk but just be aware of it eat some more carbs on the Sunday um, I want to touch there on what you spoke about there, which was an apple a day, because we've speaking, spoken about recently the Fitbit campaign, which is effectively what kicked off 10,000 steps a day, right? That was a marketing campaign. There was the same around apples, same around, you know, eggs, that kind of thing. And now actually a lot of this comes to light. Eggs. Eggs, <laughs> eggs, are fine. eggs are fine for you, right? Eggs, eggs, when I was younger, eggs was like, don't have eggs. Have maybe one egg a week. They're so bad for you. And actually now it's like, they're, they're fine. Then it was bacon, then it was this, and actually everything in moderation, right? And it's just, I just listen to my body and sort of try and track it a little bit because I, everyone, everyone is an expert on everything these days. So I think you should be super careful. Yeah, and I think maybe the deeper point that you're getting across there is, is that um, listening to your own intuition, you know, everyone's going to tell you, this is a problem with today, everyone's going to tell you. This is the process you need to follow to be healthy. This is the process you need to follow to make your business successful. And, and it, it's good to find advice and guidance, but 
if you find advice and guidance without having a clear picture about what you want to achieve, you're probably going to find the wrong advice and guidance. So if you take health, for example, um, if I'm clear on what I want to achieve, let's say I want to be really healthy and I'm clear on what that looks like. I want to weigh a certain amount. I want to have good energy throughout the day. I want to be able to touch my toes and be pain-free. You know, then I'm going to find the right programs for that. But if I'm reactive and I just go, I just don't want to be unhealthy or I want to lose weight, you're going to be victim to these thousands and thousands of programs that are out there that are just going to get you doing stuff that's just not aligned to who you want to be anyway. And it's the same with business. You know, If, you, if you're clear on what you want to achieve with your business, you're going to find the right programs or mentors or advice to get you there. Whereas if you're not and you're like, I just don't want to be struggling with sales, you're going to have people sending you all sorts of crappy programs and they're going to have appeal to you. So you've got to try and be like clear on what you want to achieve. Like, What does, what does being healthy mean to you? Be really clear on that. Mm. What does having a successful business mean to you? Be really clear on that. And if you're not clear on it, go away, do some learning, come back, try again. Go away, test the waters. You know, when I started my first business, the gym, I didn't have a clue. My only goal was, can I get this thing working? Can I pay, can I pay the bills? And I was paying the bills. I was like, okay, I need to think about more than this now. Um, and I learned a lot from that. But actually, if I could go back in time, and I, you know, I wouldn't change it because it was a good learning experience, but if I could go back in time and go back to Michael, start the gym and be like, this, look, this will work. So be clear on what you want it to be because whatever you, whatever you decide on, you're going to achieve. If you decide you just want to pay the bills, you'll make enough to just pay the bills and you'll build all your pricing around that. So, yeah, you've got to be clear on what it actually means to you and that's what kind of vaccinates you against all the bullshit that's out there on the, on the news. And It's a really good point. And then you've got, I like the whole notion around 1% a day. So if you, if you could do that and get started somewhere, build out the picture of what, where you want to get to and then improve by 1% a day. 1% a week, you know, just, just think about stuff all the time, make it 1% better, which looks like nothing. But over time, it compounds to this incredible mission, this incredible journey that you're on. Um, and, and I think just leading on to, you know, one of our passions, one of the things that we bonded over um, is CrossFit, right? CrossFit is something that we've both done for many years. And I'm making that segue because I believe that is a journey that CrossFit brings you on. And it brings people together that are on a very similar path. You tend to find a lot of people doing CrossFit have a very entrepreneurial spirit, even if they're, they're not entrepreneurs. And there's a social side to it, sure. There's a health side to it, because it's more than what happens just inside the gym. There's a competitive side to it. And most people have figures in mind where they want to get to in terms of CrossFit. And I think that's a really powerful journey to go on. And, you know, it's something that we've spoken about quite a lot, because it doesn't matter if you're the strongest or the weakest or the fittest, or the slowest in the gym, it, you become part of something because everyone's mission overall is health and they've basically put their own figure on what health looks like to them and then they've come together to push together and it's so powerful and you know better than me, you know, running a CrossFit gym, what that community feels like, right? Yeah, and I think you've hit on the, there's a couple of points there that are quite important. So the first one is, um, what's the first one? It was in my head. Um, I'll come back to that one in a moment. But the, but the second one is this: like these these um, the well, I'll go back to the first one. Actually, we won't edit this because we're imperfect human beings. So, <laughs> the first one is yeah, not knowing what you want to achieve and, and and putting some kind of measurable on that. And I think that's why CrossFit is actually very good for people because you go in and instead of just somebody just going right, okay, do ten bench press, do some star jumps, and do a little workout, and you're kind of like, well, what am I doing all this for? CrossFit puts measures on it, so it's like, well, here's some different workouts that test these different areas of health and fitness. Let's see where you're at. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, 
okay, now I've got a standard, I know where I'm at, and now I know what I want to work towards. But what's fascinating, I think, is that you want to, you might get your body fat and all that done in a CrossFit gym. We used to do it. Actually, the goal isn't really, the main goal isn't what you look like, it's what you can do. And that's really fascinating, because when the goal is what you can do, people like really enjoy the process, because it's less um, egotistical and less image focused and what ends up happening is you end up getting to the best shape of your life so i think that's an important thing to understand and then the second one i think is why you know this isn't a plug for crossfit neither of us have any prerogative to, to promote crossfit <laughs> why does why does crossfit work so well for people why do people that have always struggled to get into good shape do so well in crossfit and i think this is something that dan breezy talks about and it's in the um the, the wealth dynamics profiling system and that is that you've got these four different energies and you need all those energies together for something to work. So you've got kind of clouds energy or um, clubs uh, energy as it's called in, um, uh, in, a, in a deck of cards. And that's like the ideas. So that's the, pro the new way of doing something. So CrossFit is like, the idea is don't focus on what you look like, focus on what you can do and train mobility and train strength, train speed, train power. So that's the idea. It's like, okay, I like that idea. And then you've got the heart energy, which is people. So that's the suggestion that if you do something with others, um, it's going to be much more successful. So for a lot of people that have been going to the gym board on their own and they go to CrossFit gym and they're training with a small group, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Then you've got the spade energy, which is like the tools and the processes and the, and the systems. So obviously CrossFit, like the, the coach is there, they, they're teaching you how to do stuff, they're taking you through the workout. So you've got these ideas, you've got these people around, you've got somebody showing you how to do stuff and what to follow. And then finally, you've got your, um, your, your club's energy, which is the accountability. And that's having somebody that's holding you accountable, giving you time in, like calling you if you're not there. And when you've got all four of those things, magic happens. It, and and we, I've talked about it in fitness context there, but it's the same in business, isn't it? If you go to a, if you read a book, that's just ideas. Okay, not many people, but people do. But a lot of people struggle to make lifelong changes from a book. But if you've got a book there that gives you the ideas and you've got a community of people that are focused on it, and then you're, you've got the tools and systems to help you work through it and you've got a coach or somebody that's keeping you accountable to do stuff in time, then you've got a really cool solution that people are going to pay a lot of money for. That's why a book sells for £10 and a mentoring program community sells for five grand plus. Yeah, totally. So, so for you, what's the power of a mentor? Uh, well, there's two things, isn't it? I think it's them giving you, sharing ideas and knowledge. So the, expanding your ways of thinking, helping you work through blocks that you, that you are stuck on. And then the accountability piece. And then you could go into the debate about what's the mm -hmm. difference between a mentor and a coach. But I don't I, I haven't seen any or well, not many successful business people that don't have mentors. No, I agree. And just bringing you back to the whole well being and health side, I I just think having accountability, having people around you that are doing the same thing. Do you know what it's like it's like anything. People around you will basically dictate who you become, same as your environment, like your environment dictates your performance. If you've got five people around you who smoke, you'll become the sixth smoker. If you've got five people around you that can hit a, a sub 20 minute 5K, you probably, you probably hit it at some point. That's what, that's what drives you, you know, the people around you. And I think on that journey of entrepreneurship and well-being, it depends who you've got around you to how seriously you take well-being. But it's like I said earlier, it's so different for everyone. It might, it might be that your, your resilience and your tolerance to burnout is lower than someone else for many reasons. And actually, if you, if you follow someone that, that doesn't take any breaks and they're seeing success, you will think that's the way to go. 
and then potentially you know you burn out you, you don't have the creativity and the productivity and the discipline to to create that business and so i think what i'm trying to say here is that the, the power of community the power of health the power of a mentor that is open with what they did when they started because you know a lot of these crossfit coaches as an example and business coaches will be very open that when they first started learning or you know yeah i guess they first started learning or, or starting their businesses they took on a mentor that represented what they wanted to be and do and then they sort of run with what they did right so it's important to find the balance yourself and it's also important to find someone who you who resonates with you you know not just take on something that you've seen on social media take on something that resonates with you and actually has the results that you believe you could achieve yeah i i read a book called the art of impossible by stephen kotler he's a, a neuroscientist so he's all about studying the brain and there's lots of informa fascinating information in that book but one of the things he talks about is how humans are hardwired to solve problems with others so when we uh, face a challenge or a problem with other humans it releases feel-good chemicals because we like the challenge that's why we like team sports but when you're faced by a challenge on your own, it releases stress chemicals. So you think about that in business, you know, business is a hard, hard thing to learn, right? It's, uh, it's, it's gonna, it's, it's the most extreme form of personal development in disguise, I think. And if you do that on your own, unless you're very kind of, I, I just don't know. I don't know anyone that's done it on their own that hadn't had mentorship in it, but from their parents when they were raised or some kind of support network around them. There's definitely stories out there that definitely figured it out. Um, and done really well, but generally speaking, people, you know, you you need to get the journey's going to be much more enjoyable, and you're going to get much better results if you've got people around you that are keeping you sane, keeping you accountable, and guiding you for the process. I I think. Mm, I agree. It's exactly the same in in health, right? You should. It's difficult to just say we're going to just be healthy. We're going to run the business or, or go to work. And I'm just going to be healthy, and that will that will that'll be it. To have someone to follow, and not necessarily copy, but just you know help you with your journey. That's what's always helped me. Seeing someone else and their results and be like, right, how did you do that? How how can I almost cut that corner and follow a, a, a sort of a recipe or a journey that is proven? That's the best. That's the quickest way to get there. And I think that's, that's effectively exactly what you're saying. That's how that's how everyone gets there. And you've got to almost leave your ego to one side and be like, this is a well-trodden route. In, in in business and a lot of people some people didn't put their health first and they regret it a lot of people are or are beginning to and you're seeing the results straight away i was speaking to the one last week who's a a coach and they had a client here in dubai who they literally had like 10 coaching sessions and the the guy said that he doubled his revenue over the following six months because he spent more time with his family he spent more time looking at what he was eating and a bit more time doing physical activity. And therefore, he became so much more resilient, more productive, more creative in his business that he was able to double his revenue. Now, whether that's true or not, or there's other, you know, exterminating factors, I'm not sure. But it's a nice story, at least, to be like, this is, this is, this is a good thing to be doing, right? Putting your health first, looking after yourself, enjoying the journey. It makes sense, doesn't it? You know, who's, what's, the, what's the driving force of a, of a small business? It's the, it's the owner, it's the entrepreneur, it's the person that's, that started it and founded it. So um, it makes sense that if that, I mean, if that, was a, if that was a machine, you would go out of your way to service that machine and keep it running and, and look after it on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. But when it's a human, we don't do the same. So if, if, if you've got, if, 
if you've got this entrepreneur, this person that's running this business, and you think about the energy they start with, but then that energy started to wither because they're, they're a few years in and they're a bit beaten up and they're a bit on the ropes and they're still working crazy hours and they kind of haven't changed gears because this is what it all comes down to. Like you, To get your business started, you're going to have to be in gear one, like fast, hard work, and then as it starts to grow, you're going to need to shift into gear two, which is, right, okay, I need to start focusing on working smart. And then as it gets more successful, you need to go into gear three, which is where you think about scaling and where you're not supposed to be in the business so much anymore. So you've got to get change these gears. And if you don't change the gears, the same that happened with the car, the engine's going to start to suffer. And it sounds like what's happened with the guy you've referenced there is he's kind of like at, his business is obviously at kind of like level gear two or three, but he's still trying to be in gear one. And his coach has said to him, look, you're the problem. And like, if you don't change gear, if you don't step back and take your foot off the gas and figure out how you're going to do this differently, business is going to start going the other way this is a fascinating thing i think for managers as well but for, but for business owners and managers it's like you, you get to a certain level through hard work and graft and obviously that's got you to where you are so you so you think to yourself well this has got me here so i need to keep doing this seems counterintuitive to change this approach why would i change this approach it's, it's what got it's, it's what's got me here so I'm, I'm going to rely on it but you know it's that logic doesn't work moving forwards you know you need to you need to take your foot off the gas, go, right, okay, what got me here isn't going to get me there. So how do I change my approach right now to start helping me play the long game? You know, you, you, you've used that NOS gas, that gear one speed acceleration to get the thing off the ground and validate your idea. Now you're in the game of longevity. Now you're in the game of how long can I keep this thing going and growing for? And the way you're going to do that is by going from gears one and two up to three and four. Yeah, exactly. And what I think is quite funny is that if you say it like that, people will start to take action in the same way that I was speaking to a guy this week who runs um, you know, one of the biggest investment uh, agencies in the UK. And he was saying that investors are more and more starting to look and appreciate the founder's health when they look to you know, make an investment or to, to, to effectively buy equity. And that's a new thing because people understand that you know, there's a lot of pressure on a founder. If you're going to put your money on the table, you need to be sure that founder has the resilience and the capability and the health to go forward and look after themselves in the same way that, you know, if you're an employee and you go into an interview with a, a business owner and they're, they're not healthy, you can tell they've got, you know, they're not looking after themselves, they, they're, they're in poor shape, maybe, maybe they're not able to, you know, convey themselves because of that. They're, you're less likely to, to go for that job. And I think if you put it like that, it, it becomes obvious. People are like, oh yeah, I should probably look after myself a bit more. And the way that you put it as well, that if you make these changes, you're going to see better growth in your business. But when you say it just as you should be healthy because it's good for you, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing, to, it's the right thing to do, people are less interested. They, they'd be like, I'd rather go to the pub, I'd rather go watch the football. You know, they don't build it into their lifestyle. It's, a, it's very much a chore. Um, maybe that's a generational thing. Maybe it's the, maybe the change well, happening now. It certainly feels like there's a big I mean, change happening now. I mean, it's an individual thing. So I think, you know, when it comes to health, you have to sell health to yourself because health is an effort, just like work-life balance is an effort. You know, if you want these things, you've got to sell them to yourself because if you don't sell them to yourself, you're not going to make the effort to make those things happen. So how can most entrepreneurs sell themselves the idea of health so that they're going to stick to the consistent effort required to, to, to make it happen? Because what they want to do and what they're going to always revert to is work on the business because they're, they're entrepreneurial. That's what they like. Like managers, most managers are hard workers. They like to be at work. They like to get results. So if you just let them... Um, go with the flow they're going to work too much it's just it's just how it goes I, I know I've got the t-shirt so then you've got to be like okay well this is how my brain works and and talent 
somebody telling me that health is good for me and me not being healthy is bad for the business, yeah, I get that. It makes sense. But I'm still going to do it because it's an emotional thing, not a logical thing. So how do I stop that from happening? And what I've got to do is I've got to sell myself the idea that I need to work on health and then go and find the right, you know, the right way about it for me. And for most entrepreneurs, the way that they're going to sell it to themselves is by linking them being healthier to the performance of the business. That's just the way it is. And if they're family-minded entrepreneurs, it's going to be them linking their health to the performance of the business and their relationships at home and the health of their children. Yeah, totally. You know, when I was in my corporate role, I considered myself healthy. I put health as a high priority, and I was, I was, you know, I was quite often asked by different people in the business, you know, how are you healthy? You could tell that someone's healthy because I was able to work longer. I was able to be more productive, more creative. People would say, "What, like, what is your, what's your fitness stuff? What, what are you having for lunch? Do you want to come and get a burger, or do you want to?" And I, I brought my own lunch. And these little things. The, um, the, say again what's the secret drug you're taking that's enabling you to be healthy alongside a job exactly exactly because exactly, everyone wants everyone wants the uh, the secret sauce right and then, and then it happens more when you start to get promoted quicker and you're like I'm just being healthy and consistent and disciplined and they're like no 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 what, like what are you doing what are you doing and I think it's one of those things if you sell it to yourself like that and, and I've seen the benefits of it consistently um, and if you sell it to yourself in the right way like you were saying it's a it's a literally a no-brainer it's just getting in the right place with the right people taking and taking some good advice and solid advice um and you'll see the benefits in within the, the first quarter you try it that's it well that brings a close to our first friday edition with our first co-host um thank you for joining mike hopefully we can do this again and uh, for everyone listening uh stay tuned we've got lots more to come you can find us on online at healthyentrepreneurclub.com. You can find Mike on most social medias uh, at Mike Better Happy and betterhappy.co.uk. Um, thank you again, Mike. We'll speak to you soon. My pleasure. See you next week.